welcome to Two Cents FC. I'm your host, Amobi Okugo, with my guy, L. Each week, we'll be discussing topics from around the soccer world and giving you our unfiltered thoughts and opinions. This week, we have two special guests, PDX co-founder Luke Babson and assistant coach Samini Halliday. Um, we'll also be discussing transfer window signings, international window, and U.S. soccer um, young players in the Champions League. So first and foremost, we'd like to give a warm welcome to our two guests. How are you guys doing today? Doing great. Thank you. Thank you very much for having us on. Yeah, it's uh, doing really well. Thanks again for having us on. No, I appreciate it. So for context, I'd love to hear the story of how uh, you guys and L connected, because I remember last week when uh, L was telling me about uh, what you guys are doing. He's like, yeah, we just uh, we just invested in a team. I was like, wait, who? They're coming on the show next week. I was like, how? Um, so <laughs> how did everything come around? How, how did everything come about? Yeah. I could probably jump into that uh, just real quick. So um, as some of you guys may know, uh, we're co-founders in, well, me and my business partner, um, and Moby too, um, co-founders in uh, Two Cents Sports, which is a sports media company that we have. Um, and we that's owned by another kind of parent company that we have called Billionaire Buzz Ventures. And, you know, just our love for the game, our love for soccer, our love for um, its expansion in the United States. Um, we wanted to jump on any opportunity we could to invest in teams that are coming up. Um, so we, you know, we made an investment in Detroit City FC. Um, we've seen a lot of buzz um, around PDX FC and what they were doing. Uh, so I began to kind of engage with them online on Twitter um, and, re and really like the spirit, really like what they're doing. I looked them up, you know, did, did a little research um, and really like what they had going on. So we decided to, you know, invest in them as well, invest in their crowdfunding campaign, which um, I'm sure Luke will, will go into later in the show. Um, and that's kind of how, how we kicked it off. You know, just a little the, online banter, that's all. The power, <laughs> uh, the power of social media, huh? Yeah, we, we were excited. Uh, we've been kind of keeping tabs on, like, all the different areas that um, we've had people invest from. Obviously, we've had a lot of, of local people within Portland or surrounding areas, but we've also seen a lot of different states and areas. And then uh, I think something popped up where the Two Cents FC account said, you know, you got to, uh, you got to add, uh, add Georgia to, to the account, um, you know, and get us on there. And that was, I think, kind of where it popped off and we communicated a little bit from there. But, um, you know, it's just been super exciting for us to, to see people pick up on the concept that, that we're doing and, and understand it and, and help our, our club grow. That's great. So how did it all start? Selfishly, I'm looking at your book collection. So I definitely, definitely want to wrap with you about that at some point. How did uh how did it all start? How did it all come about? Like from fruition. Back in 2017, we we started the club. Um, it was originally started by by myself and and my brother is the other co-founder. Um, and I've been in Portland area for a while doing a lot of coaching, and, and my background's more in in coaching. Um, I'd had a role like at, at a college and and with different clubs. And uh, and then my brother had worked more in media. He'd been actually living like in Miami at the time, working with BN Sports, the TV station. And he happened to move back to Portland area right around 2017. And it was an idea I'd kind of had, but didn't necessarily want to just take on solo or, or full by myself. So when he moved back and got got inspired by it and wanted to get involved in and we went for it, and so we've been building the club now for for just a little over three years. Um, I think Sanimi joined on 
the first season, although I think we picked you up a little bit late in the season uh, as a player to begin with and, and was one of like our top players that season and then the next season and then uh, started to want to transition his life a little more to coaching. So we're happy to have him on board as well with, with what we're building. And um, we didn't get to play our regular league season and, and this past summer with coronavirus and everything, we did to get to participate in one uh, more local tournament just with more Oregon-based teams. Um, but really gearing up and building towards towards our 2021 season now. And and like El said, we were able to introduce a crowdfunding campaign that uh, sells equity equity in the club, which is is still pretty unique for, for U.S. clubs. And, and like he mentioned, Detroit City has done it. Chattanooga FC has done it. Um, but we're kind of kind of maybe the third third club or so in line and in introducing what's a, a community ownership model for uh, for a club in the in the, the states. That's amazing. So uh, for, for both of you, like, when did you fall in love with soccer? Like, how did it, how did you guys get the idea, obviously playing, coaching, and then the the love to actually build out a foundation in a club? You know, I know for you, Samini, you went from player to player coach to now coach. How did, yeah. how did Luke convince you to, you know, stay on board? Uh, you know, I, when I first came, I'm originally from New Jersey, you know, and I, and I moved out here to Portland about, um, Wait, years north, or south? north or south? South Jersey. I appreciate okay. that you recognize that. Like Jersey split in like two different halves, right? It's completely <laughs> different too. So yeah. I appreciate you recognize that. Much like uh, California. Similarly, <laughs> very similarly, just on a, a lot smaller scale, right? Um, but uh, I'm originally from New Jersey. I moved out here about four years ago, and um, I was I was still like fresh out of playing, right? I just got finished playing college. I played a year for um, Philadelphia Fury and. Um, I knew that I wanted to keep the game going and keep soccer. Um, um, for, I knew I wanted to keep that a part of me. Um, I just didn't know how, right? So um, I reached out to Luke and um, I, I noticed that he had this team that was playing in the MPSL. And I was like, this is a great opportunity, right? I played in the PDL. I played a lot in that league, the MPSL also. And um, I, I reached out to Luke and he invited me out for a training session. Um, and I think, and I was like, on my way home and i think like before i even got home he was like hey can you like fill out these papers to play this weekend and i was like i don't like i have like plans this weekend i got things like but it like it worked out and i was able to play and um unfortunately it was towards the end of the season so i only got a little bit of a run in but um that was like the beginning of my my step in the pdxfc and um next year rolled around and um i i decided that i, I couldn't i couldn't make the commitment to play that year. Um, but somehow he, he kind of dropped in my ear to uh, pick up a coaching role. And I, I couldn't be more excited about it because um, this that's the exact role that I wanted, you know, and um, I wanted to continue to learn. And um, I consider myself a student of the game, right? Similar to um, probably most of you guys. And um, it was just the perfect opportunity to keep learning and growing as a coach. Um, and especially under someone like Luke, who's been around the game at so many different levels. Um, so I, as soon as he offered it, I, I couldn't turn it away. No, that's, that's, that's really amazing. Uh, and for Luke, you know, you, uh, so many mentioned you've been at different levels in your coaching career. Um, this is a unique platform right now because you're giving opportunities to players that, you know, may want to continue playing or may have been overlooked uh, what's your overall mission um, with PDXFC and, you know, your coaching philosophy around um, your organization? 
Yeah, I mean, it, it really was when we first started the club a decision that was that was based more around um, providing an opportunity for, for players. Um, and, you know, the bulk of our players do come from, from our area. We have certain players that have came in for, from other areas for, for the season and for those months. Um, but we really saw saw like a pool of players that were, were in need of an opportunity and needed a really good training environment. Um, and, and so that kind of fueled the decision to begin with, as, as well as, like you said, my background was in coaching. I'd coach um, at the college level with, with the women's collegiate program at Western Oregon University. Just coached a lot of, of club teams, uh, mostly with Eastside Timbers uh, in the Portland, Gresham area. Done stuff with, with like ODP, Olympic Development Programs, on the boys and girls side. Um, and as well, I'd played quite a bit myself. I was getting past that. Um, so I just kind of knew of this pool of players that were in need of an opportunity. And, and a lot of the guys are, are current college players, but then there's also a lot that are are either a little bit post-college or have even played professionally, um, but still want that next pro opportunity or, or simply just still have a love for the game. Uh, or, or we find guys that are that are special players that that aren't with the college program or, you know, for whatever reason, may not have a great training environment if it wasn't for us. And, and so I think we're important for, for those reasons. No, that's a great point. Cause I remember growing up, um, my club coach, he had an MPSL team at the time. And even though I was 16, he made me play uh, with those older kids. And just to have that opportunity of uh, a higher competition level, uh, I know you're making a difference for a lot of uh, players' lives. So, um, that's really big on, you know, both your parts. Um, yeah, appreciate that. Yeah, I want to, I want to kind of jump in there as well. You mentioned um, you have a lot of experience coaching uh, youth players, right? Yeah. Um, so with PDXFC, are you guys looking to kind of build out an academy um, and you know, really kind of help develop players, more players in the area? It's, it's something we've thought about a, a little bit. We haven't just full on jumped into, into that realm. Um, there are a number of quality clubs in, in the area that that I think you do that. You have the Portland Timbers Academy. Um, I think what we, we potentially might look at down the road is, I don't know if I see us having like teams at every single age group or trying to do kind of what you see with, with your typical pay to play type club, but we'd, we'd like to maybe extend like what we're doing with the first team to to a U20, like U19 type type team um, and, you know, keep it funded in, in some ways. So that kind of differentiates us from, from what's out there right now. And, and I think those type of programs are, are needed. Um, I don't know if we'll see us jump into a full, uh, you know, U, U10, U12, U14, just full on structure, but uh, you never know. I think it will do what's, what maybe we think is, is needed and what we can provide that, that would help the area. Cool. So with the, I know recently um, U.S. soccer has kind of inter introduced like solidarity payments or some some form of, form of that. Yeah. Um, is that like a kind of a strategy that you guys may have, like with even with that U U twenty team, you know, developing these guys, maybe getting them, you know, transferred off to a a European club or something like that. Absolutely. That's that's a goal that we we'd love to help in that process for players. And, and we do have a, a number of players at the moment that have gone over to, to some different clubs, whether that's in the U.S. Or, or other countries. You know, nobody that's that's demanded like a, a larger transfer fee or anything like that. But I think that we have a really good pool of players at the moment that could start to push push for those kind of opportunities in the future. And um, I think we just saw with Weston McKinney, FC Dallas, be able to successfully uh, recoup a payment, so those doors are starting to, to open where they hadn't been. 
previously available, I think, in the U.S. So it's definitely, you know, a goal of a lot of our players to, to move on and play at the highest levels they can. And, and we're trying to, to continue to create, you know, doors and opportunities for, for those things to happen. And we've seen, you know, especially in the last six months, year, a lot of U.S. players start to kind of explode at the international level with, with big time clubs and, and you you may see more more and more clubs pay attention to the US market. So I think it's good timing to to start to push those those concepts. No. So you guys are both you guys are both coaches. You guys both played. Um, for this for this unique group of players that you guys um, coach and are looking at and develop for the young player that wants to, you know, potentially get seen or have the opportunity, what qualities should they be focusing on? Because, you know, a lot of players, you know, they see highlights of the, the stars that they want to you know, emulate. But what qualities do you look for, you know, as a coach, what qualities are important to develop, you know, in terms of, you know, training your skills? You want to take that one, Sanini? Um, Yeah, I can take that one. Um, you know, I think especially with these young players, you know, it's, and I think nowadays you find players, especially younger ones who maybe specialize in a certain area or they think they're only a winger or they think they're only um, uh, a central player or they think they're only a striker or a nine. Um, I think the biggest quality, and I think I'm not the only coach who would, who would argue this, is that we want, we really want players that who are flexible and willing to adapt to different situations, right? So, um, a, a wing back who can play um, in a holding defensive mid role if we need to, right? Who um, understands, um, who has the soccer IQ to play in a various number of roles. So um, I think that's the that's the biggest, as far as developing your skill, is just developing your um, ability to play in a number of different roles. I think that's the biggest one for me. What do you think, Luke? Yeah, I think. For me, what I think we're able to help is is sometimes certain players. We do need players to be flexible and, and play different roles as, as well as then really teach what we're wanting out of those roles and, and helping them, you know, learn and, and become a better player tactically. A lot of the players we, we get are, are pretty advanced technically, so it's not necessarily like I'm out there teaching guys how to have, a you know, the proper first touch or, or how to strike a ball. Most of that stuff is there for guys that are good enough to, to make the group. So I think it's... It's you know, teaching them how we want to play and, and what sometimes is a short period of time with our season, really laying down what we want to see as a coaching staff and then working with them on their mentality. I think if, if these guys do want to push on to the professional level and getting used to, to some of the things where um, maybe for the first time with us, they've, they've not started or they've not even not made a, an 18 man roster, which can be the reality for a lot of professional players. And, and how do you manage that? How do you keep pushing? How do you come back out to training and, and, you know, not let a little what is really, in reality, a small setback um, not derail you. And, and how do you develop a mentality that's, I think, going to benefit you at the professional level as, as you push forward? No, those, those are both great points. I, I, I really appreciate you saying the mental aspect of it because it takes a lot of discipline if you want to reach the next level. And then being flexible, not only in the, in the sense of being able to play multiple positions, um, I would say more in the sense of being able to understand different tactics and being able to understand different uh, styles of play within a coach's system. Because, yeah, you want to be able to specialize in some of your strong suits if you're able to beat someone 1v1, or if you're a good shooter, or if you're a good passer. You want to have, you know, a quality that stands out. 
but you def definitely have to have flexibility in understanding, you know, uh, what qualities you need to succeed, succeed at different positions. For sure. Definitely. Yeah. So, um, El, you were about to say something? Yeah, I was going to say, um, so I wanted to jump into this crowdfunding campaign that you guys have, um, you know, like, let us know how that's going, uh, what, what you guys are looking to, I don't want to say what you're looking to raise, but you know what, what your goals are for for raising for the raise, as well as what's the pro, what the process is like because there may be other teams that you know see this show, may be interested in you know raising funds for their team as well. Um, so can you kind of share what the process is like as well, like the the setup process, the the regulations involved, things like that? Yeah, it was it was something that I, to be honest, took advantage of of the quarantine period and and. You know, not having our regular season this year, it left me with a little bit of some some extra time to really delve into this. And we'd always thought about it. It was just more, you know, when is the time the time going to be right to, to introduce this? Um, and so it was a little bit of a learning curve for me to, to, like you said, start to understand the legal process and what really needed to get done to to make it happen. So, um, you know, we got in touch with, uh, with with the folks that we funder to begin with, just simply because we'd seen. Uh, like you mentioned earlier, Detroit City and, and Chattanooga FC have successful campaigns on there. So there was a certain a certain template to follow, although, you know, we're, we're unique in a lot of our own ways uh, in comparison to those two clubs. And so I just kind of started the process as, as far as filling out the application with, with WeFunder. And then I heard back from uh, from some of their folks that they thought it was, you know, a really good idea and, and that they believed could be successful after they kind of did the homework on the club. So that was you know encouraging for us to hear and we started to, to move forward with it and then we got the the stuff that we needed to get done on the, on the legal side um with bringing an attorney in to craft the different documents and and you know put those pieces together and then we were able to go live with the, the crowdfunding campaign about two weeks ago and you know it's been pretty successful thus far we've been really really excited with the, the response that it's gotten um at the moment i think we've raised just over over forty four thousand dollars our, our minimum raise goal is, is $50,000. So it's, it's starting to become, you know, definitely a certainty that we're going to reach that. Um, it's kind of a matter of, of how much time here. We still have a number of weeks that we'll, that we'll be live with the campaign as, as well as some other ways that we're going to keep kind of rolling out, um, you know, some exciting parts about the club and, and be in the news and, and kind of keep, keep the momentum rolling here for the next few weeks. And I don't know exactly where it's going to end up, but it's, it's going to be a success for the club you know, regardless and, and help us uh, not only with, with, you know, bringing in some, some funding that we need just for operations, but, but it's just created so much momentum in terms of, of people becoming excited in the club and wanting to follow along. And, and, you know, so it's going to create a, a fan base for us as well. That that's a lot more into what we're doing. And, and so it's super exciting times for us. Uh, we'll see exactly where, you know, where the financial number falls, but we have right now we have 181 different, People that have invested at, at different levels, the minimum is is one hundred dollars, and then um, I think the most that, that an individual has done at the moment is, is twenty five hundred. So we've had investments come in at, at any of those levels in between, and uh, it's just been exciting to see, like I said, people from all around the country and lots of locals get get excited. A lot of you know, number of them I recognize names and are people that have supported us in the past, but there's also been a you know really good. Uh, increase in, in new people wanting to get involved and being really interested in the club and, and getting excited about the community ownership model. Yeah. 
I know some people, I know you can go to the WeFunder link and we'll have that in our show description. Um, and you can read what the different perks are, but can you kind of give us an idea of, you know, what the perks are for those who do invest? Yeah, we have some, you know, obviously the, the first part is that it's, it's just real equity ownership within the club. So you're owning um, a piece of the club, depending on how much you choose to invest, but then there's perks at, at different levels. So for a hundred dollars, uh, you get a season ticket for the upcoming season, uh, an owner scarf and, and a certificate for $200. You get all of those things as, as well as uh, a lifetime season ticket. So you can you know come to the PDX FC games for, for the rest of your life. And then uh, at the $300 level, it's it's all those things. Plus we're getting uh, a custom jersey made by our apparel supplier is, is Hummel. Um, that'll, that'll work in all the different owner owner names into a unique design that we'll come out with for that jersey. So there's, there's different perks at the 100, 200 and, and $300 level um, to go along with obviously just the, the ownership within the club. So um, so with those equity shares, what type, what, I guess I, I should ask, what level of share are they? Because you know, there's different tiers of, of equity shares um, in a company. Um, so what privileges do those shares allow um, an owner to have um, what, what, what kind of power do they have with those shares? Can, can you can kind of um, expand on that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. And, and so what we're, we're doing is just building out a number of different things that, you know, we'll do on a yearly basis that, that all the owners will have, have an opportunity to vote in. Um, it could be, you know, certain things like, you know, New Jersey designs, different scarves or, or stuff that, you know, affects the business side of things a lot more, whether that's uh, who we bring in for a friendly opponent um, or, you know, lots of different different decisions there. So we're really going to work with with what'll be like a yearly uh, opportunity for for everybody that's invested to have a vote and a say in in you know as many different aspects of the club as possible. We have a, a board of directors with with Sanimi and and my brother who's our other co-founder that really all we'll do is kind of be there to eventually we have to just kind of sign off on on say we do another equity raise at some point or or somebody does offer, you know, a large financial sum for the club at some point, and, and we kind of would have final signature on those type of things. But everything else really will be leaving up to, you know, our big ownership group to have have a say in and, and how the club is ran in the future. Okay. Yeah, to that point, that's an interesting point you bring up about um, maybe like a larger investor or institutional investor possibly coming in. And even in the event, if you guys sell the club, what do, do those ownership shares transfer into, you know, a financial um, gain for those owners who invested. Yeah, that's and that's you know ultimately the the dream and and what we want to strive to create you know in the long run is is drive the value of of the club up and you know, it may reach a point where we all love it so much that we don't don't want to let go because I, you know that's part of it if you if you sell to somebody do you have that trust factor because it's this is this is kind of my baby and and it would need to be in the right hands but. Um, at the end of the day, there's if somebody that is is wealthier than I am and, and can help the club take the next steps, wanted to come in at some point, then then we'll listen. But it would be you know we would we would want the input of of all the other owners and investors and figure out what was going to be the best step forward in that kind of situation. So um, right now we just really want to build the brand, build what we're doing to to get to the point where where that type of interest could come in. We've had a little bit where I've actually had I have some conversations coming up this week with. Uh, a couple investment firms that actually have reached out. So that's been kind of exciting um, to, to see that that level of interest actually may exist and um, be there in the future. 
but it's, you know, it's dependent on if, if we choose to sell and the rest of our, our ownership group would want to, but it could happen. Yeah. yeah, I'm very excited to see, you know, what you guys do, what you guys are building. Um, so to that point, where do you guys see PDXSC in the next five years and then maybe the next 10 years? Like what's your, your grand vision? Well, we really see the next, you know, big step is is can we kind of jump up a, a division, you know, with with our league and, and then give the players, not necessarily every player on the team, because we'd have a lot of other really talented players come in at that point too. But to take the next step to to the professional level, we've looked a lot at the the NISA league, which is a new league that uh, is has been sanctioned as U.S. Soccer as a Division Three professional league. So we've we've been in some conversations with them, and if we can continue to raise our profile and check a couple of the right you know boxes in the next couple of years and then that could be a realistic next goal for our team and, and see pdxfc move to, to the professional level i think that there's there's some exciting things about the nista league in comparison to to usl or, or obviously mls where to get into those leagues you're, you're talking about a franchise fee that's it's just really really high so I think that the NISA League is doing some good stuff right now to, to build out a professional option for clubs that they would prefer to, you know, put the money that they have into their club and their players and, and what they're building. And and so that's a unique thing that kind of came up that I, I believe in what that league's offering right now. So we're really keeping our eyes there and, um, you know, monitoring if that could be the right next step for us. And um, and attracting new, new owners and investors is obviously a piece of, of what we would need to do to, to make that jump. Oh, no, we do anything? No, I just think it's amazing. It is, it's, it's getting me excited. I almost want to start my own club team at some point, you know? So uh, I really appreciate you both sharing uh, more insight into, you know, having a vision and the concept and, you know, actually executing it. Um, it, it takes a lot of effort um, and you guys are doing a great service, not only to, the Portland community, which I know loves soccer and loves that sense of building something from the ground up, but for the players that may not have the opportunity, um, you know, to give them an outlet to uh, to be seen on a larger scale. So, no, I, I commend both of you guys for sure. Yeah, hey, that kind of reminds me of another uh, question I have. Um, you mentioned the Portland community, and you know, obviously, the timber there. You know, you have timber too. Um, how do you see PDXFC fitting in um, within that community? And especially as if you guys, like once you guys move to the professional ranks um, in, in, you know, in, in NISA league or whichever league you decide to decide to pick, um, how do you see um, PDXFC kind of coexisting with um, Timbers? I, I think what we've noticed is that that a lot of the people and almost everybody that supports us is also a Timbers fan. And so I think they're just, they've become educated enough in the game to, to understand that, you know, MLS is, is the first here in the U.S., uh, but there's important levels below that and, and they believe in what we're doing and want to follow our group. We'd ultimately, we haven't yet, but we'd love to see a, a player from PDXFC, you know, wear the Timbers jersey with, with the MLS first team. Um, so we, we, we try and schedule our matches uh, to not conflict because we do know that, you know, Timbers are going to draw really well and, and we don't necessarily want to try and step on their toes or compete with them if, if we can avoid it. Uh, but there just tends to be a lot of crossover between, you know, Timbers supporters and, and now becoming more more aware of us. So you kind of have the big Timbers army 
Um, it's a you know really big supporters group that um, has a big presence in Portland, and, and a lot of those folks are becoming aware of us and supporting PDXFC as well. So, um, you know, we do our best to just kind of not not have conflicts when when we can avoid it. And um, you know, we've had certain player like we've had a standout on our team that we identified at at 16 or 17 years old that we've then pushed towards the Timbers and joined their academy for like their U19 team. So. I think they understand that, you know, we uh, we can be an asset to them in some ways. And we're not, you know, we're certainly open to pushing our players towards them that, that have the talent. So um, I think it's a positive that they're in the area. But I think people have just kind of needed to become a little bit more educated on what sits below MLS and, and you know, the potential that we actually have in this country to keep growing that out. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I'm definitely excited to see um, what you guys do. I'm excited to be a part of the project. Um, and happy to, you know, we're happy to be involved in more ways than one. So let's definitely stay in contact, stay in touch, and hopefully we can work some more stuff out together. Yeah, yeah, and I, I don't think I had a chance to really just thank you for, for your support and, you know, getting on board and following along with what we're doing. So I hope to keep in touch and, you know, keep you guys as, as updated as possible. And, uh, you know, it's, it's exciting to hear that, you know, maybe we're spurring the imagination of, of you two or, or something like that or listeners out there do the same thing because it's you know it's it's been hard work and i had certain expertise but it's not you know, not necessarily that special you know a lot of people could, could do this out in in their communities if you want to put the time and effort into it and and you have the right heart and and you have the right connections so it's it's something that i'd like to see people copy and i'd love to love to be available to chat more with anybody that, that has those kind of interests yeah, definitely most definitely. All right, so let's. Did, did you have anything else, Moby, before I jump into the topics? No, that's good. They've covered everything. All right, cool. So let's jump into these topics. Um, as you know, during our show, we, we cover several news topics, uh, whatever is happening in the soccer world, and we kind of give our unfiltered opinions on you know what's going on. So I don't know if you guys uh, support any Premier League team or any European teams or anything. No. Yeah, not not officially, you know. I I love Liverpool. I love the way they play, and I've watched them for a long time, you know, in the Fernando Torres days, and um, just a big fan. But nothing, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's weird. I'm not necessarily just a diehard. Like I have one particular team that I feel like, you know, is mine. I love to follow all the the Americans that are finding success. So I find myself watching like a lot of Bundesliga games right now, or mm-hmm. you know, obviously tuning into Juventus now with with Weston and Chelsea and, and kind of like, I get really into just kind of following the development of us players and um, drives a lot of my interest in, in watching games. Yeah. So let's touch on that a little bit. Um, as you mentioned, Weston McKinney got a move to Juventus recently. Um, of course, Pulisic a couple of years ago with Chelsea. Um, how do you see this new wave of um, American players moving into these elite European clubs, how, how do you see that helping the U.S. soccer team or the U.S. The national team? I, I think it's huge. And if you start to even just look at, you know, guys that are breaking through right now and becoming starters or first team players with top Bundesliga teams, top EPL teams, you know, top La Liga teams now with, with Sergio Dest and, and Conrad at Barcelona. So if you just look at the map at like a potential U.S. starting lineup, now or for the upcoming World Cup and the clubs these players are at, it, it kind of blows anything out of the water that we've seen in the past. So I think that that's exciting in the fact that they're all they're all young, 
Um, and, you know, just imagine if the next crop, like in the next couple of years coming up behind them are as good or, or even better. Um, I think we're, we're going to be a better national team, you know, quicker than maybe some people think. Yeah, so I got a question on that. So do you think it's like we're like we're in a unique time in the sense of like we might have like our own golden generation? Or do you think like the development of players in America is getting better? Or do you think, you know, uh, you know, overseas coaches and scouts and organizations are looking at the American players, you know, as a cheaper option, whereas they can develop talent um, because of the pay to play model where they can kind of take advantage of you know, picking someone out that has talent at a younger younger age and um, not having to pay uh, an enormous amount of transfer fee. Yeah, I think it's probably just a number of things. The, the quality of, of coaching and the environment over here improving. And then, like you said, just the recognition from clubs outside of the U.S. seeing value in, in young U.S. players and working to bring them over to their academies and having a, a Christian Pulisic or uh, – Gio Reyna, Dortmund, guys that broke through at like 16, 17 years old. I think that, that just kind of sounds the alarm for other clubs to put their research in and pay more attention to, to our area than they have in the past. Yeah, I feel like the biggest seller for those for those guys who are playing over in the European clubs is like they're playing in those leagues and those clubs, but they're also doing really well, a lot of them. Right. So um, they're not just – they're not – uh, you know, they're not sitting and, and struggling to get minutes on the on the first team. A lot of them are, are doing their due diligence and um, breaking through and having a lot of successes. You know, so I think, like Luke said, that raises a lot of eyebrows and um, turns a lot of heads to, to the talent that's being developed here in the country, um, which is a great thing at the end of the day. Yeah. And so, Minnie, you're from Jersey. So, I mean, Jersey's yeah. famous for having a hotbed of young, young talent. Um, PDA, I know, is like a famous club out there. Obviously, yeah. most academies that are having their imprint. Uh, so this question is for both of you guys. Um, what areas, um, obviously, you guys are in Portland now. What areas would you say, like, the most overlooked areas for youth talent in terms of in the United States? Because, you know, you got Jersey, you got Cali, you got Dallas. Um, but what areas, if you're a European scout, you're telling them, all right, come to this unique area and start poaching on young talent? You want to tackle this one first, Luke? No, you go ahead. I'll, I'll follow you up on it. <laughs> um, you know, I'm biased to, to the East Coast, right, because that's where I'm from. So um, part of me wants to say, like, Philadelphia. I'm, I'm, I was from close to Philadelphia, but – since being here in the Pacific Northwest, um, there's just such a, like a boom of players. Like there's so many players um, in Seattle, the Seattle area, the Portland area. Um, the amount of players and the amount of talent in this area is overwhelming. And that's just talk about like the players are able to afford to play. Yeah. Right? And we're not like scratching the surface of those players who may not have the equal opportunity to get um, into a, a club team. Right. So, I think really the Pacific Northwest between Seattle and Portland um, and even you know, that Northern California area um, is, could really be a hotbed for um, scouts and different, different European coaches. Um, yeah, that's what I think. Um, maybe I'm a little biased, obviously. I, 
I think there's a lot of talent in our area. Most people probably know about, you know, California, Southern California, loaded with a lot of talent. I think you, especially with FC Dallas, has shown the amount of talent that, that comes out of the Texas and the Dallas area in particular. So um, I haven't spent as much time, you know, over on the East Coast. Uh, I always hear there's really high level of play. I can't, I can't speak as much for myself personally, but I just, I just know more of like our, our kind of bubble and, and you know, the talent that exists in, in more Oregon, Washington areas and, and the levels that I think a lot of these players are, are capable of reaching. And, um, but I know that I feel like that's a lot of bases out there. And, and so that's why, you know, clubs like PDX are very important because we kind of do that work to, to try and get opportunities for the players that are out there and, um, you know, continue to open those, those doors. And um, I just think there's, there's actually a lot more talent here than maybe people have realized. It's just a matter of, like, the infrastructure and, and how do you kind of keep pushing these players along to, to the next levels and to be seen and then to have the right training environment. No, that's great answers. I completely agree. Um, that, I mean, obviously there's talent everywhere, but some just get overlooked because of infrastructure, um, not opportunities and stuff like that. So, so what do you say, Moby? You've, you've been around, um, been around the country. So well, what do you identify? Uh, Sacramento, San Joaquin Valley. So Sacramento, Stockton. Like if you just go, like you take I-5 and go from Sacramento to like Fresno, uh, you can you can have a whole academy of talent in that region. Um, Denver is a, is a spot that gets overlooked. Um, they have a lot of talent coming out of there. I know it's kind of the big city, but uh, those are do right off the bat. Um, I know Dallas gets a lot of credit for what they do, but in terms of Texas, like all along the border, and then Houston especially, I feel like that's like an untapped market where they can do a better job um, of really – um, kind of honing it because Dallas did a phenomenal job, but Texas is so big, you know, I feel like that's getting overlooked. But uh, the United States is so big, so there's talent everywhere. So we can like, go on and on. Yeah, I'll throw my head in for Georgia too, um, even though I'm not, I'm a California native, but you know, I live here in Georgia. And especially for women's soccer, like, I think Georgia's a pretty kind of a hotbed for, for women's, women's players. So, uh, what's this game? What's this game? I know we kind of brushed over the topics, but what's this game that you have? I'm excited. Okay, so I was flipping through Twitter today, and um, it's something that was that popped up on the timeline um, from Joe Football or Football Joe, actually. Um, it's what which table are you sitting at? So, pull pull this up really quick. So we have a lunch room and we have ten tables. So I'll give you guys a second time to come over and tell me what table you're sitting at. Ooh, this is actually this is really this is really good. This is really good. Yeah, it's too bad of a table. This is an up for me between, I think, table six and table ten. Because I'd like to sit with Pirlo, uh, with, uh, Xavi. Uh, but, then, you know, how can you not want to have a seat down with Maradona if you have the opportunity for an Aldini in there as well? So, yeah. Uh, maybe I said, who knows? Yeah, I said table ten initially because 
it just looks like a lot of fun over there. Like you may not you may not partake in everything they're partaking in, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's definitely a good time. Right. Definitely a good time at that table. Uh, yeah, I gotta I gotta find myself a table for yeah with with Cody and um Aldini and Ronaldo. Um, you know, I was just watching the highlights from the 1990 uh 1996 Olympic World Cup with Nigeria and that Brazil game is like I know it was great Nigeria won right we won but it was like man like Ronaldo was on another level those into like those that the entire tournament another level so I got to I got to step at the table for for that one yeah it's such a toss up I like I had table 10 table 4 and then table 6 as well but I I I, I think I had to go table 4 but I couldn't Maldini, you know, Italy heavy. Maldini, I would love to ask him some questions, and then Ronaldo, we want to ask him. But Maradona and Ronaldinho on the same table. <sighs> yeah, I'm just there for the stories. Yeah. That table. <laughs> yeah. Oh, table four. I'm, I'm going table four as well. Yeah. All right. Cool. Yeah, so that that was a fun little game um, came across. Um, but we'll continue game time. And jump right into one of our other games that we have. The show is called No Card, Yellow Card, Red Card. So this is kind of a rapid fire game where where we'll um, put out some topics, and you give your rating, your thoughts on that topic, uh, and rate it with you know the card system in soccer. So no card obviously is I agree with it. I'm cool with that topic. I get yellow card is I can go either way. Um, it's in the middle, and then obviously red card is I disagree. Um, you know foul. Don't like it. Um, so, would you give your rating? Kind of give like a, a little explanation of why, you know, um, and we'll go from there. So let's get started. First one: no card, yellow card, red card. DC United firing Ben Olsen. Uh, correction: they um, they agreed to part ways mutually. Man, they fired. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I guess no card for me. Um, I, I have to be honest, I haven't followed them super closely this season, but business happens. Probably get another MLS job if he wants to do that. Yeah, I, I err on the side of no card, yellow card, because um, I think Benson, like I like Luke, I didn't follow them too much, but from his petty record, he looks like he's he's done a pretty good job, you know. So. Um, but they also haven't made the playoffs. They've been successful in MLS for for during his stint for too long. So um, I'd probably err on that no card for that also. Okay. Yeah. No foul. No foul. Yeah. Uh, I'm going yellow card only because all right. So he's club legend, and they didn't give him the resources like they like other teams have given their coaches. Uh, but he's there forever from a coaching standpoint. Hasn't really seen success. Outside of you know a couple playoff runs, some crazy uh, that crazy Open Cup run, so it's a long time coming from a performance standpoint. Yeah, like you should admire for sure. But from a, from a club standpoint of not like not supporting him, I, I'm trying to nice. So yeah, that's fair. Okay, uh, so next one. We have no card, yellow card, red card. Welcome to the party. Thomas Party joins Arsenal in the last minute, smashing grab. <laughs> What do you say? 
Uh, okay, I'll, I'll say uh, uh, no card because I know Arsenal needs some needed a D mid like desperately, and it shows that although y'all didn't get all your tar- all the targets that you guys wanted, you guys are slowly trying to build. Um, and I say you guys because L's like a big Arsenal fan. Sorry for context. Uh, uh, like you guys are at least moving towards trying to stay in the top six, top eight. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so yeah, no card. That's good. It's fine. Uh, yeah, no, no card for me. Sign you want to go out to, to get the job done. <laughs> yeah, no card. Uh, he does. He covers a lot of ground. He he plays well in that role, and I feel like you can play him in a couple different roles, which will benefit Arsenal. Um, you know, I think you guys can definitely be top four contenders this year with that addition. Um, yeah. I don't typically participate in this game, but I'm, I'm of course, going to say no card. Um, I like the way we handle business. Um, you know, we, of course, we we loaned uh, Lucas Torreira to them, to Atletico, and they were kind of, you know, playing hardball with us. So the fact that we came in, you know, last four hours of transfer window, straight to straight to La Liga with the, the, the release clause, you know, like showing our ruthlessness, not giving them a chance to kind of bring anybody else in, even though they got Terrell who plays a similar position. Um, I, I like the way we're moving. It seems like we got uh, got some money from the from the owner who hasn't put in any money since they on the team since they took over fully. So, um, wishes for that. Hopefully, we can, we can continue to see some some success, and you know, maybe in the winter we'll get a war and, and really set up. So. <laughs> <laughs> so sticking with Arsenal though, um, for the last one, no card, yellow card, red card. Is it Ozil pays for um, the Gunstorus mascot? Could pay the salary for as long as he's with Arsenal. Uh, I might have to give a red card on that one. I thought that was kind of poor from from Arsenal there to let him go after after all those years, but. Good, uh, good on Mesut to step up and take care of him. So we'll see if maybe the bad press makes Arsenal make a little decision backtrack there. I don't know. Yeah. yeah, I feel like my card decision depends on, like, how long my sales is going to be there for. You know, like, <laughs> his contract expires next year or next season. Yes. Or at the end of the season or something like that. Like, what's the, like, what, I guess it's like, what is Arsenal's plan after that? It's like, they got to make a big decision. So I don't know. So I, I, yeah, I can't even give a proper card on that. I don't even know where, where I land on that. <laughs> yeah. So I'll give a red card for Arsenal. Uh, no card, play on advantage for Ozu. He's playing his card right. Obviously, him and Arsenal are, are coming. Uh, on bad terms right now, so he's just he's looking it. This is a great publicity uh, stunt that he's doing, um, gearing himself to the fans. Um, this is a great case study for any players that are going through a difficult time with their club of how to kind of stick it to your club without sticking it to them. Uh, so I love what Messi did and Arsenal. Like you can't pay for mascot. What's going on? All right, so let me let me get some context here, right? So the guy who the guy who played the mascot has other roles at Arsenal, and he was part of the 55 players who or 55 um, non-playing staff who were you know made redundant who were put on furlough. 
Um, so this news is coming out super late. Like he's been not had a job, you know. And so and to that yeah. point, Ozil, with the money you're making on a weekly basis, not playing, not willing to take a pay cut like the rest of the players did. Why couldn't you fund you know the rest of these people's salary as well? You know? Hey, that's not his goal. That's not but his look, goal. if he's gonna pay for his one guy's salary, why not pay for why not pay for the other fifty-four people who were laid off? Why because, why just him? Just because he was the gunner source at some point as yeah. much his role at the at the club? Yeah. Yeah. It's not, that's mean, not, that's not his job. I mean, I definitely see the payness of it, but you gotta look, look if you're gonna pay for one, you gotta pay for the rest of like go all the way in. And this guy will probably be back once fans are back and say he'll probably he'll probably return. <laughs> yeah. I, I love I love what Mesa did. I think it's hilarious. Yeah. Yeah, so that that's it for no car, your car, red car for this week. Okay, perfect. So, um, gentlemen, we really appreciate you guys coming on. Where can people find you? Where can they, you know, support? Um, how can they get involved? How they how can they connect with you guys? Um, we really appreciate you guys coming on and sharing you guys' story, all the wonderful things that you're doing. But for the the people that are listening, how can they how can they support you and learn more about what you're doing? Yeah, thank you just one more time for giving us the opportunity here. Love, love chatting with you guys. Um, you can check us out, pdxfd.com. Uh, we're on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook as at PDX Football Club. You can uh, check out the current WeFunder campaign if you're interested in, in looking more into becoming a part of the club. And that's WeFunder.com slash PDXFD. Um, so you can definitely jump in there and, and do all research on club. And, uh, you know, if anybody ever has any questions, my email is up on the website. Feel free to reach out to me and I love, love interact with people that are interested. Yeah, we'll definitely have that link in the description, um, whether you're audio or YouTube, it'll be in the description. So you guys can definitely check that out, you know, support the club, invest in the club, get some ownership in the pro soccer team or soon to be pro soccer team. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Again, thank you. That was it made my day when when your guys kind of involvement came through. So appreciate that very very much. Thank you so much, guys. Yeah, no problem, man. Happy to be involved. Yeah, happy to support. Except when you guys like Sacramento Gold, that's my home team. So. <laughs> All right. Other than that, uh, yeah, you guys got my full support. I love what you guys are doing. Yeah, we couldn't see them playoffs. Hopefully. Yeah. Okay. okay. My 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 old coach um, is the kind of founder for that, that squad, so uh, I'm biased, so sorry. Deep three. Deep sorry. Three. <laughs> yeah, but uh, thanks again, once again. Uh, that's it for our show. Subscribe, rate, and review. It helps us get discovered. Follow us on the socials at 2CentsFC. Check out our merch at 2CentsSports.shop. It helps support the show as well. As you can see, I was rocking the hat. Um, shoot us your comments on the show and any topics you need or else to discuss. Once again, um, we're going to have all PDX's information, uh, show notes, and uh, like you guys know, every Friday, I'm biased. Catch you guys next week. Peace. Nice guess. Later.